Welcome everybody. Um, we're going to begin and we'll be letting people in because uh, this usually happens. The first five to eight minutes are uh, uploading and people coming on, onboarding, I guess is the right word. So welcome to the Photo Book Book Group. I'm Sibylla Smith and I'm really glad that you're here. Um, I wanted to begin to let you know why I started the Photo Book Book Group was to offer a platform for artists, image makers, photographers, bookmakers to share their ideas, their challenges, and their resources. So what we do is we have an unscripted conversation with artists and bookmakers um, about their process. What is their creative practice? And what is their book making process? Um, my intention is to activate and engage uh, and actually sustain an interactive community of image makers. I think it's a global conversation. I think we're all a part of it. And I think that we each move each other forward. So I begin with an ask, and that's for you to support the institutions, the organizations, the individuals who are foundational to the photo and art community. So I want you to do that by belonging to museums, uh, nonprofits, you can belong to photo nonprofits across the globe. It's not by geography or we're communicating virtually and something like a $50 membership can really sustain organizations that are helping us have this global conversation. Um, if you subscribe to publications uh, where we're doing some of the thinking and writing, that's also a support. And if you follow on social media and you also shout out and um, spread the word of those of us who are amplifying uh, different aspects of contemporary photography and get newsletters, read newsletters, that's really helpful too. Because I think you're all part of this conversation and that as visual makers, it's a responsibility to know what this conversation is made up of and to see how global it is and how dynamic it is because it's a moving landscape and it's a very, very exciting time to be involved. My work is around concept development, whether as a curator, educator, or a consultant, because my medium is the creative process. I'm especially interested in how our own observations and awarenesses of our own internal workings show up in our work. And it's why I created my concept aware curriculum. It's because I believe as visual creatives, there is an inter connectivity between what's going on for us interpersonally and that interpersonally between us and what we observe and are aware of within ourselves really impacts our work. And the more that there's observation and awareness, the stronger the impact can be on the work. I'm hosting Brie, and this is such a joy because she brings a depth and expanse to her creative practice. She actually pushes the boundaries of the medium of photography into the future. She experiments and refines form and experimentation and refinement are the basis, I believe, of the creative process. She does this experimentation. She experiments with form, uh, materiality. She gets into the opaqueness, the reflection. And she's also really aware of the codifiers, the cultural constructs that help us not help us, they can hinder us too, but that surround how we interpret what we see. 
I think that she actually challenges a lot of our constructs and asks us to see beyond, see into, be aware, and see beyond. I think that chance is her guide, and then she uses chance to guide her, and by doing so, she guides us. And I think her exploration is grounded in a deep knowledge and respect of the medium of photography, which I think shows up on a lot of levels with her work, and we'll get into that into specific pieces of work. She's working with unpredictable and fleeting forces. She, uh, Susan Bright describes that she is marking her own stance. And she describes Susan Bright in the essay in the book in 11 years, that by doing so and by taking a position, she's offering us, the viewer, to do the same, to actually become more aware and maybe declare where we stand too. Kim Beale, who also wrote for the uh, book, and she describes Brie, that she mingles practice with chance and she sees possibility in everything. And Mark um, Alice Durant, who will join us on this call, uh, is also the publisher, as well as wrote a very moving, poetic, absolutely breathtaking essay for this book. And I love that he describes Bree's work as a photographic hieroglyphics, that it's communicating in a space between image and mark. So welcome, Brie. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to meet you and talk about your work and get behind it. it I, I've got, I don't script questions and share them with you, but my overriding <laughs> beginning is like yeah. the impetus behind it. Because I really mm -hmm. dove in and I see how experimental you are. So if you mm -hmm. could lead us into what, is driving that because there, I don't know whether it's mm -hmm. inspiration or uh, uh, questions or personal experience or, um, mm -hmm. but it's really interesting. I feel like you're almost like a, a textile weaver, you know, how you bring in the different <laughs> parts and, and, and mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, what are those parts? Like, what is that? Yeah. I don't even remember weft and whatever, but those pieces. Yeah. What's, what's bringing it together? Um, I mean, it, it varies from project to project. Um, first of all, thank you for having me and hosting this conversation. I'm really excited to talk with you and especially in an unscripted way. It's like, you don't get to do that very often. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned experimentation um, and then refining um, in your intro and um, I think that's really important, you know, for me, I'm always experimenting, but, you know, what brings it out of just an experimentation into a more refined work is asking, well, you know, what is this doing? Um, what, you know, what is it doing for me? What, you know, people that will be viewing this work, what will they be thinking? What questions will they be asking? Um, and what is this answering? So it's very mm. much a dialogue. Um, all the time between process and then those, those kinds of questions. And it's, you know, um, it's like what sparks curiosity in me is what drives it. Um, what keeps me up at night, what I can't stop obsessing about, <laughs> which I think is the case for most artists, um, very obsessive people. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Is there a particular, I think somewhere, um, I hadn't put a frame around it and I don't know if you do, but somebody wrote that um, there's an interest in both psychology and chemistry. Yeah, you know, that was written a long time ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I have a lot of interests and I think what you said about textile weaving, uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I try to do that or just want to do that. Um, in you know my work, talk about a lot of different interests and a lot of artists um, that I'm drawn to do that as well. Sort of like their work is, it's kind of like a repository. It's a place to put many things, many ideas, mm -hmm. uh, many layers. Um, and you know, there's a lot of a lot for like the viewer to to bite into there um, mm -hmm. when you do that. Yeah. Did do you feel that you, um, in your exploration, were you aware or when did you become aware of the kind of the, the role technology plays? Um, was that at the beginning mm -hmm. or did that come from other experimentation? Because I think um, you ask us to think about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm always thinking about technology. I, I mean, I think most of us probably are at this point. Um, you know, I mean, working with photography, obviously, you're, you know, just in, inherent, you know, it's part of the, the medium. Um, you're mm -hmm. working with a machine always. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking all the time about technology being this sort of like intermediary you know, force, it's sort of, you know, we're communicating through it, um, mostly, whether it's a, you know, a photograph, an analog photograph that you're viewing on a wall, you know, there was a machine that was coming in between. Um, and then now, of course, we're seeing images through other forms of technology on screens. And um, I'm really interested in, you know, this, you know, in some ways, I think we feel less connected to images because we're viewing them on screens. Mm -hmm. But there's also a tactility um, to viewing images on phones now that we didn't used to have, um, which I think Tabitha Soren, her project Surface Tension so beautifully um, discusses and sh mm -hmm. you know, shows, illustrates, um, you know, those marks, the markings of our hands touching images and so it's just really interesting to me, the way that we experience images now in that way. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you know, I'm always thinking about it and, you know, just with our bodies being removed more and more because of technology, um, you know, there's a lot of disembodiment in my work. <laughs> um, you know, from my latest project, Vistas, to, I mean, even the cover of my book, you know, it's a very metaverse picture, you know, these hands, which are trying to connect and touch, but they're completely disconnected from bodies and they're floating in space. Um, but at the same time that, you know, those hands are stained glass from a church. Um, so, you know, it's really taken out of context. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So glad you're talking about it because it's so funny. That was a question in the back of my mind yeah. is to talk about the cover. So that's, oh, yeah. so, and, and just to reflect, yeah. um, 
you know, your work, <laughs> okay, this is a tongue twister, but your work is embodying disembodiment yeah. and actually yeah. talking about the fact that we are so disembodied in a way that we're, we're just beginning to think about. And, and I'm glad you brought up Tabitha is going to be on our, our winter series. So we oh, will be great. talking with her. Yeah. That's about, fantastic. I, I, I just know. love her work. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. And it's really yeah. interesting over the course of the year, doing the photo book book group, watching mm-hmm. the conversation, because it's literally yeah. out there, right? That people are mm-hmm. building on each, each other's work. I'm yeah. so interested. Yeah. I didn't even move forward our PDF. So let me, um, this is the cover <laughs> of the book. I wanted to ask about the title, because I don't know that it was referenced oh, yeah. anywhere. Um, oh, yeah. Um, is it? I so, don't know. Oops, there we go. Oh, wait, can you see what I'm seeing? Yeah. All rain, the quote? Yeah, the quote. Yeah, yeah. Um, I go to that. So interspersed with some of the um, uh, images that we're going to share from each of the bodies of work, I pull out these quotes that just sing for me. And I just loved this. Um, I think one of the things that I think you do is you speak in kind of a visual analogy. And this is such a visual analogy for that, you know, just jump in and mm-hmm. you don't need a protective, like you don't need multiple protective layers. You're like, yeah. get wet, you know, get dirty, yeah. get in there. Yeah. yeah. Like be a part of it instead of separate from, right. And also talking about disembodied, right? If you don't have an umbrella, you know, if you're in a rain for a while, even a raincoat's not going to stop you from getting wet. And I think that that's the point. It brings it back to our experience, which is something we need to really be aware of. I just want to mention, and you can talk more about how you form the different bodies of work, but within the book, Mm -hmm. you touch on a number of different bodies of work and then they're mm-hmm. each one leads into the other so you have counterforms film electric single cuts hole in the curtain vistas and end of the road um, I loved being kind of brought through that metaphorical journey um, so maybe you can unpack yeah. some of that for us um, I'll so try we're gonna... my best <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well we can do all it right. together I I was okay. so um, intrigued. This is unfortunately part of the image. I'm not sure why. Do you see the hole? Okay, let's see. Oh, I can do it. Okay, that was my fault. Um, I This is kind of, um, I put this in here because I think it helps us discuss some of your experimentation and also how one thing leads <clears throat> to another, right? Like this idea of encounter <clears throat> forms and bringing in other mediums. And then when you choose to do that, and Mm -hmm. so maybe you could just give us a little bit about, um, I would say when I look at, when I look at counterforms, they're sculptural. They're, 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 they're almost like a sculptural collage. They're a montage Mm -hmm. that can stand up. It feels like, Um, Mm -hmm. so, so tell us how this, piece, this one, Napoleon, uh, augmented Napoleon came into your process? (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so counterforms, I really liked what you said about sculptural collages. Um, and I think that's a really good way to describe this project. And it's the earliest project in the book. So, you know, made roughly between the years 2011 and um, 2012. Mm -hmm. um, and um, these, you know, more than maybe any other project in the book um, are really doing that textile weaving thing that you described, bringing a lot of ideas and objects um, into one place. And this project, each work, um, I think of them as standing kind of on their own. They all have their own, uh, you know, idea or set of ideas um, surrounding them. So this piece, you know, it's a well-known painting by, you know, the painting Angra, um, around 1800. And, you know, that time period was right around the time that um, oil paints became, were started to be produced commercially. Um, just prior to that, artists were having to mix their own pigments um, with, you know, uh, pigments and solvents. So I was thinking a lot about the materials that we have as artists that are available to us and just thinking about like the lineage, you know, art history and um, how things have changed and how materials change the way that we work. Mm -hmm. um, so this, I was mixing up basically the palette that he used using modern day pigments. Mm -hmm. um, so um, yeah, it was a study based on that and, you know, thinking about what drives what drives work today, our artwork, you know, I mean, this painting was commissioned directly by Napoleon. <laughs> um, so it's just, yeah, it was interesting to think about that. So this project mm -hmm. Counterforms explores art history, it explores material, um, it explores um, my personal ancestry, you know, which like many people is mixed European. Um, so I did a residency in um, France, which is one of my ancestral countries and did a lot of work using objects I found there, plant life, um, paintings, things like that to create subtle nuanced, uh, very layered works about that experience of being made up of different parts um, and Thanks. understanding history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, at the same time that that was happening, there was, you know, quite a bit of upheaval in my family life. Um, and I made a series of pieces in a similar style, um, using objects from my family home, um, where I was needing to be, they lived in Philadelphia, my parents, I was needing to be there, um, for about a year to care for them. Um, so this piece, it's called Underwater, was made entirely from objects found in that home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Making me think, um, we didn't, when you say underwater made me think of titles. So mm -hmm. we didn't answer the 11 years. So maybe oh, yeah. re revisit and then underwater. Yeah. My first inclination was to say, um, I think in our role as caretakers mm -hmm. of parents and when family is in upheaval, which happens across the board for us, yeah, but that you everyone. can feel underwater, right? Right, yeah. Like you yeah, can't... a lot of the titles from this project have 
they're definitely a play on words a lot of the time. Um, mm -hmm. Multiple meanings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, do you want to talk about the title for the book? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. curious. Um, I mean, it's very literal. <laughs> it's just, it's literally it took 11, 11 years. years. Awesome. No, well, okay. yeah, it's sure right felt, over my it head. It felt like it at times, and especially for it to be printed and shipped, but that's a whole other thing during the <laughs> pandemic. Um, no, it's 11 years of work. So it's 2010 to 2021 um, mm. that are represented in the book. And I, you know, Mark Alice Durant, you know, the publisher, um, St. Lucie, um, he and I, we had a lot of conversations about titles. I really wanted it to just be my name. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to put a title on it. Um, he had some ideas and he finally, you know, agreed to just have it be my name. And then one day, the very last minute, he suggested 11 years. And I thought that that just had a nice ring to it. Mm -hmm. I do did. too. I also, yeah. in terms of bookmaking, love that it's such a simple font. It's elegant, mm -hmm. but it's also um, yeah. subtle. I love that it's all lowercase. Those are decisions, right? Yeah. That... And that's, that's the designer, Gannett Abraham. She's, she's really amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and she's, you know, she's a big fan of that very simple, clean, um, design style. Mm -hmm. And then um, could you talk about working with a designer for a minute? Like, do you mm -hmm. find the designer? Does Mark, how does that work? Um, she has designed almost every title for St. Lucie. There you go. Um, so yeah, from the get-go, he, he said that he'd like to work with her and, you know, of course he was open-minded, but I, I think her work is just beautiful. So, um, so and she gonna... helped edit too the images. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. she That's was really was involved. Yeah. yeah, like to the extent. So she helped edit images. Mm -hmm. What else would be her role? Obviously, font and um, all the fonts, laying everything out, editing the images. She designed the cover. Um, I mean, oh, one thing that she did that I loved was the you know, the pages that are just color, the separators. Mm -hmm. um, she chose that like really bold gold yellow, mm -hmm. um, radiant color and the blue. And um, she has a great sense of color and space. I'm design. grabbing, yeah. I'm grabbing my copy because yeah. I believe that I was, <laughs> I was kind of excited, but we just yeah. launched our new website and these two colors are on the first page. <laughs> Awesome. It was literally like yeah. they are the colors. So I was really happy to see, but just to yeah. show people what's not in the PDF, like that type of use of font, right? And color, mm -hmm. the bold yeah. here, but it's still simple. Um, sometimes I'm yeah. so conceptually driven. I often don't give enough time to the bookmaking process. So I stopped myself here. I just want to give another example that's not going to be on the um, PDF, yeah. but where you introduce the different bodies of work. Um, yeah, and with that an was image. Her, um, I, her idea and Mark's together to um, mm. introduce each body of work with that detail. Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of, um, you know, fine details in 
in my work that, you know, I thought, you know, we all wanted to emphasize that, um, you know, I'm, you know, my images are definitely on the more minimal side. I really strive for that, um, economy of means and image making, um, like saying the most with the, you know, with the least amount of materials or, you know, very minimal compositions. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but because of that, you know, I'm frequently shooting with a macro lens and there are a lot of like very fine details that um, I want people to be able to see, which is one thing you lose out on when you're viewing on screens versus big, you know, exhibition prints. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that was her idea. Um, that really like nice orange uh, font color that she used. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she's great. Really, so really she beautiful. and Mark, you know, Mark basically was like, well, just send me everything you've ever done, which was just really, <laughs> really embarrassing. <laughs> you know, it's just like bearing your soul. Um, mm -hmm. And so I did that. I didn't send him everything, but <laughs> I sent him a lot. <laughs> um, and then he and Gannett, you know, sat down and they basically had the first pass at editing together and they put together a layout, um, and then shared it with me. And then I got involved and a little bit controlling sometimes. So <laughs> I got involved and, you know, said, let's cut these images out or let's reorder here and there. But for the most part, um, I, you know, I was really happy with what they did and happy to go along with it. Yeah, well, I think certainly you were brave. Secondly, Mark is a perfect person to, um, if you're <laughs> gonna bear your soul, I'd like it yeah. to be to someone like him, um, yeah. who's gonna be such a good guardian of it. But what yeah. that speaks to for me in process is the idea of collaboration, um, the courage it takes to, put your work, which really is wearing your heart on your sleeve, right? It's the object of what's in your heart to someone else to then respond. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So not only courageous, but, you know, letting go of some of the control. I, um, mm -hmm. I'm reminded, I, I love to draw. And when I'm in an art class where we, uh, I love to draw nudes. And so one time or more, but the professor would say, okay, everyone switch places. And then someone else would edit the work that went up your work for crit. And you were like, no, 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 like, no, don't pick that. Like you knew what you wanted to go forward with. Yeah. And letting yeah. go of that control is a really good practice because other people see something completely different and, and as challenging as it was, yeah, to have some of your work up like that and open when you were like, that's not the best is okay. You know, it's helpful. Yeah, it is helpful. And, you know, you have to think about the, you know, the viewer, the audience. So I think it was really important for me to step back because I am so personally involved with, you know, everything that I've worked on and Mark and Gannett, you know, they're, they're outside of it. So they mm -hmm. were able to see things, um, that I didn't see or see things differently or more the way that others might mm -hmm. um, and make connections to that I hadn't even made. Right. Um, there were, you know, some images um, that, well, the cover for instance, actually, I had, I had 
basically erased that image entirely from my head, um, like a long time ago. I think I made that in 2010. Um, and, you know, I did send it to Mark and he suggested that for the cover of the book. And I immediately like wanted to crawl under a table and hide <laughs> when he said that. <laughs> because, you know, it just felt like it, it was from so long ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I felt like, I don't know, I just hadn't thought of it for so long, but it made perfect sense. I mean, it really ties in, in a lot of ways to what I'm working on now. And um, so anyway, that was just yeah. one example of like having somebody else look through your work can be really uh, illuminating. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You remind me of one other personal experience, but in a portfolio review, I was making some correlations and sharing them with the person mm -hmm. over the table. And literally <laughs> she <laughs> cried and goes, you know, my work better than I do. And I laughed and I'm Aww. like, no, no, I don't. I'm just able mm -hmm. to come from such a different place. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's really, it's such a privilege to be yeah. a collaborator. Um, yeah. So film electric mm -hmm. is a good other body of work, which I didn't give examples, but counterform has some of the feel of film electric sometimes, but mm -hmm. this came out of your experimentation and, and, and a little bit of physics almost, right? Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah. I mean, you know what you said about sculptural collages, like that really applies to this project, um, which, yeah, it came out of sort of actually a, an accidental uh, observation, um, you know, like film, traditional film that comes in plastic sleeves. And I was cutting, cutting it up to dispose of it, like all the, <clears throat> sorry, the bracketed like bad exposures or awkward compositions or, you know, whatever I thought I didn't need or wouldn't make a good print. And, um, you know, static electricity, we, you know, come into contact with that all the time and daily life uh, caused these film fragments to adhere to the plastic in really surprising ways. And, you know, it was like a decade of my film archive kind of, um, coming together in really random ways based mm -hmm. on this invisible force that's very unpredictable. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love that idea of this, um, the randomness of the way that images and information and memories are arranged and shuffled. Um, and it was made at a time where images like online were doing that too, like Tumblr and like Google images, just this really random uh, way of organizing images and the way that we um, consume them. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if you go to the next slide, um, this is one of the earlier pieces from this project and you, they are very sculptural. So. What I would do is, um, you know, like layer all of these film fragments onto clear acetate and then create a static charge. And then when you lift that up, some of them fall off depending mm -hmm. on their charge, some adhere and then they reorder themselves. It's like, like turning a kaleidoscope, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so then um, I would, um, 
bend that acetate into three-dimensional forms um, and then photograph it. So you have these like these reflections on the white ground um, of, you know, from the negatives, it's projecting that mm-hmm. little bit of color or even image like phantom images. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they all fall apart really quickly as well. So there's, mm-hmm. there's that, like this very um, meditative quality mm-hmm. to the process. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, you know, these were all photographed against a white ground. A lot of the the more recent ones that have the black um, mm-hmm. are inversions, and they were there was a stretch of years in between making those versus the earlier ones, um, and they're much more a response to digital space. And mm-hmm. they're um, it's still my own personal archive, but it's thinking more about um, again like what technology, like what technology does to our experiences and the way that we understand and, uh, yeah, understand our world. Yeah. Um, so the one before with the black, you'll see it's, you know, there's that inversion and it's the same images, but they're just a little different. Um, and the way that, yeah, sorry, no, I, I'm really struck because I didn't know the process in terms of the inversion. Um, but when when you were talking about this piece in front of us and how um, the randomness of the um, construction, like the layeredness, mm-hmm. and then those ghost images, as you said, um, which when I'm looking at this, um, I'm thinking that... Uh, this is like, um, it's almost like being, uh, uh, hold on one sec, Matilda, can you let in Mark? Um, uh, there's a word that's called the palmacist, which is yeah. just, right? And that's yeah. so what you've done here, right? And when I look at this, mm-hmm. what's really exciting is like, I'm, I'm moved by the imagery and then Mm -hmm. what it's doing for me when Mm -hmm. I step back, think about your work is you're reflecting here, literally our own internal construct, like what pieces Mm -hmm. of memories we remember, which ones come to the fore, which ones kind of ghost themselves um, and how like fragile that is. So like, I look at this and I'm like, wow, you should like work with a neuroscientist because you're actually (laughs) like conceptualizing, you're giving us a tangible conceptualization of what goes on about how we see or think or understand. And then Mm -hmm. I love that that's in conversation with the ones that are on black with the inversion, because this is us in relationship to ourselves. And the other is taking it that one step further where it's even more manipulated, right? Where yeah. it's outside. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. And, and the, the, the ones with the black background, they, they actually started with black, not inversions. There were mm-hmm. some of the, it's a mix, um, but I eventually started experimenting with inversions because I just, you know, it's funny, like a lot of the times that I think of that as very, a very corny thing to do, inverting mm-hmm. photographs. 
Um, but I liked that, you know, this the like inherent image um, that you see in those film negatives, it remains the same, the form, but by inverting mm-hmm. it, um, everything, it's like an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it felt very um, appropriate for what mm-hmm. I was trying to communicate. Yeah, another visual analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna put I'm gonna yeah. put together your yeah. textile making visual analogy into something. <laughs> At some point, I'll figure out what I love all that. Yeah. <laughs> if I I'll come up with a word, and then <laughs> sing or a, yeah. a phrase. So single cuts came yeah. somewhat out of electric. Yeah, form. yeah. I mean, it literally it's the it's the material um, that was used for a lot of those larger um, pieces and some piece, pieces that didn't make it into those to the film electric projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, this, this is another example of, um, Mark and Gannett, um, having a big influence. You know, I, I wasn't planning on including this, um, in the book because I thought of it as, you know, kind of like secondary um, to Film Electric, but they both really advocated um, for including them. You know, they kind of do their own thing Um, and they're placed uh, directly in the center of the book, which gives you some breathing room. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a lot of of negative space and they, the way that Gannett designed it is, you know, they're kind of dancing around. It's like a little, performance in the middle of the book, which is really kind of what film electric feels like for me, you know, like watching these um, film fragments perform. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they're almost like the individual dancers before they get choreographed into something else. Yeah. Yeah. And um, hi, Mark, I'm glad you're with us. And we spoke about you before and jump in anytime we were we were singing your praises and I've, I've already told Brie, like your essay in this book just blew me out of the water, out of the water. It's gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah, I think every single person I've talked to about the book <laughs> raves about that piece. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, Mark, I think I may have told you, Mark wrote that years ago. Mark, what mm. was that, 2014 or... Um, mm. 2015, somewhere in there. And yeah. Um, Did you yeah. That? Oh. yeah. Hi. Hi. I'm sorry I was late. I was actually okay. doing this other Zoom thing. Um, supposed to be done at noon, but it went till 1230. But um, anyway, um, yeah, I think I wrote it 2014 or so. And I think it was for uh, a magazine in Canada, right? Was that what was something in Toronto or something? Yeah, I tweaked it and uh, changed it for this book, um, expanded it a little bit. Um, but yeah, anyway, thanks. Um, well, actually, I mean, I think it's, it speaks to a couple of things. One is um, your interest. I, I'm going to just step out of here, but having had you as a guest on our photo book book group and thinking a bit about how you think and see writing is another medium that is, you almost want to grasp elusive things in writing. If I were to talk about you and I think that you did this with Bree's work, um, it has the same as she was saying before, economy um, where your, your essay is very, um, it has a 
it almost has a short story aspect to it, like that, that in a short story, how you dive in so visually and deeply in a small amount of time. And I feel like you did that with, with your essay. Um, but it makes me also think of when you are putting together a monograph and who you ask to write and, and how maybe both of you could speak to that. Of. Well, I'll just say real quick and then turn it over to Brie, but um, um, yeah, I am an artist, um, but I also am a writer and it's a weird, <laughs> I have no issue with that now, but at times in my career, I'd be like, I should just choose, you know? Um, and um, I think if I have anything to offer as a writer, at least in relationship to writing about or for other artists is that because I'm a maker, um, I, I can get, I feel like I can get inside the process. I'm not outside the process of making art and making images. Um, and, um, so when Brie and I were, were talking about putting the book together and who we would ask to write, um, and we were coming up with, uh, you know, art historians and critics and that sort of thing, and, you know, people who um, had PhDs and, uh, you know, legitimate <laughs> historians. Um, and um, I, I, it was an option to, to include the story that I'd written before, but I certainly never, it was never, I said, do you, you know, do you want to include it? And Brie insisted. And so I tweaked it and that sort of thing. And I thought it would, it would be okay. Uh, I was reluctant at first, but I, I thought it would be okay because it was, did, it does have a kind of short story quality. And it's really about the process of like imagining an artist, you know, based on Brie, like making work, you know, and trying to create an, an, an image, a scene in mm -hmm. which that work is sort of, you know, kind of discovered, you know, at, by the artist. Um, so trying to be inside the process. I knew that the book would be bookended by really brilliant essays by Kim and, um, and Susan, and that they would do the heavy lifting <laughs> in terms of like, you know, putting it in sort of historical and uh, 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 theoretical uh, contexts. And so I, I felt like my, my piece could do something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It did. Um, I, I, Brie, you feel free to jump in, but I have to say that I had the visual, um, and I realized that you've been at Malay Center for the Arts, and, and so have I, and that's oh. what I saw. I, I mean, I don't oh. know, Mark, that you had that. It literally made me feel like you were walking from the house down to the barn at yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's really interesting because Mark wrote that, you know, it's, a piece of fiction I mean it was yeah uh you know it's not like exactly be taken from real life um I think Mark had just been at McDowell um mm -hmm. do I have that right which I, I've never been there that's but, correct yeah Mal I was imagining McDowell, which is another artist colony mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah I mean the Malay when I read it I did think about being at the Malay colony and some of the like the earliest. In fact, actually, the um, Napoleon image I made there. <laughs> oh, cool! Um, yeah, some of the earliest pieces in the book were made there. Um, like modern day Halo, I made there. And anyway, um, cool. yeah. Well, it definitely. Couple, 
couple of things. One is plugs for artist residencies because they're invaluable to all our process. Um, Myself as a writer and an educator, it's so important. And um, uh, kudos for the Malay Center for the Arts. And I love Savage Beauty. If you haven't read that piece on Edna St. Vincent Malay, it's a fabulous, fabulous read. I found it there at the residency and then... um, got my own copy because it's heavy, uh, not heavy, but it's a lot of reading and I was there to read and write. It's great. Um, Let's move to hole in the curtain because you just keep moving, which I love this evolutionary process. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about this a bit. Here we go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I was, I was talking to someone else recently, like this is definitely the hardest project for me to talk about because Mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, it's not conceptual in the same, you know, way that a lot of my work is it's more, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's personal and it's referencing the unconscious and Mm -hmm. things like that. And, um, it's like deeply experimental. So I made this um, it was mostly done in one year, 2015, um, a little bit into 2016. And I just had a, um, a solo show of counterforms and film electric together. Um, and you know, like a lot of artists, after you have a show, you're, um, I don't know, you're in this kind of like limbo space Mm -hmm. for a little bit where you're like, okay, so what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Um, And I really didn't want to be working with still life or, you know, these like sculptural collages um, at that time. And um, I had been given um, some um, Kodak uh, sheet film from um, a grant. And I don't have a view camera. I don't work that way. So I thought, well, what am I going to do with this? And it was just sitting there in my studio, along with a bunch of family snapshots. And so I started painting um, images from those snapshots onto uh, the sheet film um, and experimenting a lot. I was using bleach and photographic developer. Um, and paint, mm-hmm. um, watercolor, like a really condensed watercolor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, just the, it's like a totally weird project. Um, you know, the bleach ends up acting in really uh, erratic ways. It, like this, this image, Sicily, it's the name of the cat pictured here, um, has, you know, the eyes are actually where the bleach completely ate through the film emulsion. Wow. Um, so it eats like these holes into the film emulsion and you can see in the larger prints and maybe here a little bit, um, water droplets in Mm -hmm. those, those holes, like where the film emulsion, uh, sorry, the substrate is, um, you can see like water droplets sandwiched in between. So they have a little bit of dimension, um, to them. They are, um, you know, it's it was interesting to work on them because you're, you know, the, the emulsion is reacting to the marks that you make like 10 minutes later. Mm. So I'm sort of like, again, kind of like film electric, there's this, um, like I'm the spectator, but also the performer, like I'm working with 
the materials in this very like active way, Mm -hmm. um, like in time with it. And so, you know, marks that I had made 10 minutes ago are appearing and I'm then reacting to that. Um, and then, you know, I would wash the, the sheet film and then make more marks. Um, sometimes I would revisit them days later. So basically that's how they were made. And then I would photograph them while the um, chemicals and paint were still wet and active. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have like a, for me anyway, like a, they feel alive. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they are. <laughs> Yeah. Right? And they're yeah. still evolving when they're, you know, while they're being photographed. So, but that's so yeah. it's fascinating because what you, in terms of process point out right here is that limbo space between projects, you're allowing us to see quite intimately that vulnerable place, you know, and that kind of, yeah. um, mm-hmm. it, it's the bold moves when you really don't know where you're going. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also appreciate the materiality is so based in, as you had mentioned before, the aspects of the photographic medium, right? And that's mm-hmm. where, I, I mean, you just have this like resounding drumbeat of uh, then and now, then and mm-hmm. when, you know, but it's always moving mm-hmm. forward, but it has this, mm-hmm. it has a, it has a foot in the, in the uh, original materials. And what's so interesting is like, we're kind of a little past, if you think of the digital revolution, I still remember having been a part of all of it, where you literally could split a room between people who know analog and people who don't, like who have been in a dark room who have not. And it was like, they couldn't understand each other. I literally was at a a panel in um, 2011 at Aperture. And Mm -hmm. I had just hung a show that um, I uh, did in Brooklyn for uh, Seven, the Seven Photo Group. And- Oh yeah. And literally, I felt like I was one of the only people that could sit on either side of the room and uh-huh. that neither of these groups literally understood. Like one is like, no, this is photography. And everyone else is like, what are they talking about? It was fascinating. So I feel like yeah. you are, yeah. you are actively moving us through that space. And like, we're, we're done talking about that in the way we did 10 years ago. And, and we're like, mm-hmm. it's like a trampoline, right? It's like, we've been bounced forward. And when I yeah. think about like photography is magic and people that mm-hmm. are, are like Charlotte Cotton and all the people she's referencing in that book are like the bounce. <laughs> They're yeah. the ones that are moving us into the next thing. Yeah. So I, yeah, I totally. was, um, it's interesting, you know, so like my generation grew up, you know, we grew up in dark rooms learning, you know, analog, but also at the same time we were learning Photoshop. Um, so it was both, it was like right at that transition. And, you know, um, I mean, I definitely feel really comfortable in both worlds. I don't really think about it. Um, yeah, like, what, what is this? Um, it's just, I think we fluidly move between um, and, but it's interesting showing this work to, um, some younger artists, like when I was making it, you know, they, some people thought these were completely made on a computer, mm-hmm. um, which I thought that was really interesting that read, um, that they thought they were, you know, made an illustrator or, 
whatever you would use to like yeah. literally just paint images images online. No, I, and yeah. I have to say that I don't. You are unaware of your fluidity, <laughs> but I can tell you from my position <laughs> that isn't everywhere at all. Yeah. Um. So it really uh it lends itself to helping us go forward. Um. So I just threw in the quote, science is never far away that, oh, yeah. that Susan re references. And I do feel like both um, essays on either end of Marx do ground in this cultural historical context. And I'm glad mm -hmm. we're going to get to talk about vistas because I think it's especially um, relevant on a lot of levels when we were talking at the beginning about um, oh, that's not a vista, right? Am I right, no. Matt? I feel like that's, yeah, so that's out of order. Sorry. Let me that's get okay. to another vista. Yeah. <laughs> um, there you go. So yeah. there we go. Um, but when we mentioned at the beginning some of the cultural constructs, and one of the things that I love, and we can unpack this, I, I want time for our other people to ask questions too. Um, but this work, which is, is so currently in the conversation of photography at the moment, I was so glad to see the art forum piece uh, referencing this. This is so multi-layered. I'll let you describe the background and, and, and we can talk about the, um, the way that this is such a, um, another plateau in a, a, a cultural shift when you're, when, mm -hmm. when you're looking at the references of a century ago and how you are actually taking <laughs> yeah. us another step. I think that blows my mind. Um, so I'd ask you to talk about that component. Um, now I'm trying to remember what I was gonna talk about. Um, I guess I'm, I'm talking about your ability to take us on this aesthetic journey, mm -hmm. um, be engaged, be um, almost um, stimulated in ways because we don't understand all the time what we're looking at. So it makes us, you know, explore our own interaction with things. Um, mm -hmm. But I think what you're besides being fluid in, in your process, um, it's also this idea that you are really grappling with some more heavy hitting uh, issues, like issue oriented, like, like you're, you're referencing things that we need to be thinking about that are so deeply um, ingrained in our way of being that we don't question. So for instance, in, and I'll just be blunt and jump to it. One of the things that happens here in Vistas is you are taking images that are made often by women. And there's some reference that these are, 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 are women and it, speaks to how the generalized notion of the Western landscape was seen through a white colonial male lens. And so one of the things that you're actually making us reference and think about without a heavy hand is this idea like, yeah, women, 
we may not see the amount of work that women take, but women have been in this process all along with men. And I think it's so interesting that we started with Napoleon and oil paints because as an, yeah. you know, in the Renaissance and beyond for thousands of years, women were not in the art world doing oil painting. I mean, they didn't have the kind of uh, sponsorship and and commissioning lives that men did for thousands of years in those art forms. However, women were along for the ride with photography. We're still not seen at the same rate. We're not acquired or exhibited at the same rate, but we're there. So you're talking about that, but you're talking about it in such Mm -hmm. a, a, a a subtle way. So that's my, that, I'm going to get yeah. off my soapbox. You can tell us about what you yeah. do to bring these together. Cause this was a fascinating kind um, of confluence of things. Well, yeah. So the, like the beauty of the shadow is that you can make of it what you want, right? Like we can see feminine forms in here, you know, that's definitely not all women that are depicted mm-hmm. in here. We don't totally know, but it, it brings into question, um, who is in the landscape, who belongs there, who's been historically there, who was pushed out, you know, mm-hmm. when the national parks, you know, were formed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are all of those, you know, um, questions that the shadow kind of stands in for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the archetypes that you can see in some of the forms as well, um, like the cowboy, you know, the cowboy, the wide brimmed hat, um, the gentlewoman with a long Victorian gown, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely one facet um, mm-hmm. of the project. Um, and yeah, so they're, you know, they're found on Google Photosphere, which is where anybody can walk into nature on a trail or not and photograph 360 degree views. So it's like hundreds of photographs, which then Google, when you upload those to Photosphere, stitches all that together in pretty haphazard ways so that any person can get online and drop in anywhere and spin around and take in this vista or panorama of wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I had noticed that in doing that, when it's the stitching process, it was removing the actual human bodies and cutting these shadows like like stitching those together in really strange ways as well um and I thought that was you know just like a really brilliant metaphor for how we engage with the landscape how we're engaging with technology what technology is doing to the way that we experience things um the world how it like the people that are there, it's sort of like taking you away, taking you out of the experience, Um, like the very act of photographing and thinking about an audience, I think Mm -hmm. can create that, you know, that distance, that sense of distance. Um, It's interesting, it goes back to the disembodiment, right? That we talked about at the beginning in terms of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know about uh, that level of um, historical context for the photographs, for the postcards, Mm -hmm. the pictorial postcards that were then Mm -hmm. um, uh, 
painted upon, but um, I'm mm -hmm. trying to see, I know I wrote down the reference, um, like billions were sent. Yeah, yeah, particular... Susan Bright wrote a lot about that in the essay. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, she Six, really- There we go, 667 the... billion yeah. postcards sent at the beginning of the last century. 6,607 yeah. billion, that blew my mind. It's and hard it blew to my, it is so hard to believe, but think about that, the materiality, the tangibility and the touch, mm -hmm. right? And we were, um, it's interesting, people during the pandemic talked about how mail and having tactile like um, communication with people was so important because we were so much further removed, but that mm -hmm. we're talking about, you know, the billions of uploads of images that we could get bombarded with in a day ourselves. So a hundred years mm -hmm. later that it's just such a, a clear reflection of that change. And I love that it's yeah. back to that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's talking about, um, you know, we expect photography to present like a better picture a lot of the time <laughs> of reality, like these postcards from, you know, the early 1900s were, depicting, you know, these national parks, in, you know, a very specific way and were erasing um, a lot of the bad parts, um, mm. the poverty mm. and the violence and displacement um, that went on. But, you know, it's also, also speaking to a more pristine landscape and, you know, we're facing a lot of um, challenges um, environmentally. So it's talking about that too. And what, what is, has been our role as human beings. And I think part of that is, you know, feeling removed like this, like the idea of landscape, the word itself, it's like, um, suggests it's like separate from us. It's a place that we go to visit mm -hmm. and admire um, mm -hmm. rather than something that we are a part of mm -hmm. um, and need to care for. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, you know, part of what's led to some of the problems that we have. But anyway, um, yeah, it's again, you know, it's, um, it's that like elegant solution. Like I felt like with this project, it's, a, you know, it's very simple mm -hmm. um, on its surface, but it, it speaks um, about a lot of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, two things I want to just underscore and then move to the last body of work um, mm -hmm. is that you're talking about us being in relationship to the landscape and how we kind of have removed ourselves in, in correlation to it. Um, mm -hmm. And you made me think of two things. One is um, I'm reacting to this because I, one of my, my daughter actually just hiked to the PCT this past spring and yeah. summer. So she went from Mexico to Washington, well, to Canada, um, had to move around wildfires and the impact of the smoke, mm -hmm. but just yeah. uh, thinking about how few people are ever in this level of wilderness where like the nearest mm -hmm. road is 60 miles away by foot. Um, so I'm thinking about it personally, mm -hmm. but also I love that this was referenced and mm -hmm. I think this was in um, Susan's work, but it was basically where it, uh, I loved that uh, this was actually someone else who was writing about you, I believe. Yeah, Alex Marola was writing about oh, yeah. um, vistas and that what he said, and I'll quote, he said, overcoming loss by fixing a shadow 
the most transitory of things is tied with the advent of photography, going back to In the Pencil of Nature by William Henry Fox Talbot. And I love that. I love right? that piece. Yeah, yeah. This is why it's better to let writers discuss the work <laughs> for me. Because I, yeah, you could yeah. just read that that whole essay and that's, oh. that's all that needs to be said, really. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. so beautiful. It was great. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to just go to end of the road, which we saw one of. So we'll see a vista here because those got inverted. Oh, yeah. So here's another vista. Yes. Let me just go back to that end of the road which I love this image. And then oh, another Vista. This is a quote from Susan Bright that basically talks about photography because I love where you're taking mm -hmm. photography and she's helping us look at where it's come from or where it's gone through. Mm -hmm. um, oh, so then we've only got one of those. Sorry, let me go back to it at the end of the road. So if you just okay. give us a hint about that and then we can open yeah. for questions, yeah. Um, yeah, so these are photographs of people um, walking, like literally walking to the end of a country road um, and back and they're taken. So I've been for a while now splitting my time between New York City and upstate New York um, and upstate at the house is, situated right almost at the end of the road um it's the last house on the road so through the window i can see people as they make their journey to the cul-de-sac and back um and i started this project not long after the covid um, pandemic started and you know a lot more people were uh moving upstate um, and spending time in nature, if they had the means, you know, a lot of people were doing that. And so more than ever, I saw people walking this road um, versus now, I almost never see anyone. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was comforting for me. I mean, it was a very isolating, scary time um, when I started this project. And over time, it, um, it just, it really like fed me on a daily basis. And I had so many questions about these people and, you know, there was like a lot of almost like longing um, and desire in these images and, you know, wondering who certain people were. And, um, but yeah, they, you know, they have this feeling of distance. They're shot through a meshed uh, window screen um, and they're shot from, pretty far away. Um, so they're blown up and like obviously referencing Antonioni's blow up and some of his other films too. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, they're related to vistas, you know, mm -hmm. sort of like this pilgrimage um, in nature. Um, they're deeply existential mm -hmm. um, images and I'm still working on it um, and editing it. So we'll see where it takes me. Well, that's so interesting because yeah. I had not thought of the correlation between this and vistas. I think that's a really <laughs> interesting bridge. And, um, you know, I was thinking more like here you are reflecting again what we're experiencing, but not, you, you mm -hmm. know, another visual and 
analogy yeah. because you're shooting through a screen and you want connection. You're talking about the longing for, but you are distanced. Um, so you're really yeah. reflecting again, what we all went through um, mm -hmm. visually, which is amazing, but I hadn't made the correlation to vistas, which is really interesting. I love yeah. that, that, that the, you see that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely there. Um, and this project end of the road, it's because of when I started it, it's been framed, you know, as, you know, a project sort of about the pandemic and that experience. Um, and, you know, who's to say if I would have ever started this project, if that had not happened, mm -hmm. but, um, for me, it's much larger than the, the pandemic experience. I think it's, um, you know, it, it's a lot of like existential feelings that we all have, I think, mm -hmm. um, feeling distance, trying to understand. I mean, the fact that they're blown up, we're trying to understand and make out a picture of someone. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think there's an incredible amount of distance in today's society between people mm -hmm. and closeness. It's very complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, I think through technology, we're like trying to pull people closer a lot of the time. I mean, there is that, um, that goal. Um, mm -hmm. It just doesn't always succeed. Um, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. You're making me think of two things and then I promise we'll open up to questions. Yeah. Um, you're making me think of the word granular because oh, this, yeah. they become like that, right? So we're, we're in one way, you're looking at um, what is the granular, granular part of connection, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. And then I'm thinking, because this has just been on my mind, that, that when we think about connection and then where things go and how we have kind of like a, a cyber world that we're not always aware of. And I just learned about mm -hmm. the, I think it's the pug whose name might be Puddles that came out on TikTok. Have you heard of this? Uh, no. Totally, <laughs> totally crazy. But this guy had has a dog that's a pug that um, he just got the biggest kick out of like, it embodied different mood states and he started to share it on TikTok. And it has become this ridiculously large engagement with people all over the world. Oh and gosh. people are like, I'm not gonna listen, like read an astrology. I'm just gonna see what Puddles does today. <laughs> Fascinating, right? Like, so yeah. where we've yeah. gone, really, right. really interesting. So I'm gonna go to yeah. just my last image and, and open this up. Mm -hmm. I love that image. and. I don't know where it comes oh, yeah. in, in the scheme of everything, but you can tell us, <laughs> I mean, it's the last image in the book, but where it's etiology yeah. came from. Um, and then um, yeah. just wanting to open up to people to ask specific questions and we're a small enough group, um, you could raise your hand and, and then unmute yourself. And well, while you're telling us about this last image, let's see if people mm -hmm. come up with some, some questions. Okay. Um, yeah, so this is another one that Mark really um, advocated for to put in, um, and it's it's from a like a much earlier project that you know was never fully developed to be honest. Um, but this image kind of circulated at the time a good amount, and 
and all that. So um, it's actually based on, the project was based on dream journals. Um, so this is based, if you wanna know, on a dream by the Marquis de Sade about his mother. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, you know, super enigmatic and mysterious, the dream and the image, I think. Um, so Mark wanted to put it in. I thought it was a really great idea to just have it be just like the end of the book mm-hmm. and just on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I loved it because it was, I mean, you're surprising us all through the book, but this was like a bonus surprise. Um, and of course left me super curious. Um, and I love yeah. just, I love a lot about it. Um, that I won't go into leaving time for other people, but um, I was just talking about the Marquis de Sade because of the movie uh-huh. Quill. Have you ever seen oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. So anyway, it's funny that, that this circles back. Um, so yeah, let's open up to see who is with us that would like to ask about your process, your bookmaking or anything else. Open it up. And if you're super shy, you can write it in the chat and we'll find it there. But any reflections? Go ahead, Barbara. You have to unmute. Unmute. There you go. Uh, hi, and I would start the video, but it seems not to be doing it. Um, I am very interested in your work. I just went and ordered your book. So forgive me if I don't know as much about the background information. Um, I'm, I'm curious about the way photography and shooting pictures fits into these projects in your life. And if you, if you use, you know, if the projects are all discrete and you're working on one thing, or is there ongoing things that you find yourself picking up a camera to do something with? Um, how does photography in that way fit into your practice? Um, you mean like the actual like shooting, like yeah, shooting yeah. of photographs? Is it all um, very deliberate? I guess is what I want to ask. Um, that's a really good question. Um, no, it's not all deliberate. I mean, you know, I'm like always shooting like for end of the road. You know, these straight, if you want to say straight photographs. Um. I feel like, like I'm always photographing with my phone, like everybody is. Hmm. Um, and that I, I think that it's like, a, yeah. it's like a sketchbook um, that informs ideas a lot of the time, um, but it's totally unscripted and random. And it's like photographing landscapes or friends or family or pets or whatever, but then also like documents to remember or, photographing screens or screenshotting things. So um, I feel like that practice more than almost anything else, uh, like that act of photographing on a daily basis informs a lot of my work. Um, Yeah, does that answer your question? Yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) It does, yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Oh, hi, Dan. 
Yeah. Hi. Hi. Hi, Brie. Would you talk a little bit about uh, the role science plays in your work? I remember you were doing that project for, was it the Welcome Collection? Oh, yeah. Um, um, somehow in, in our various discussions, I always got the idea that science was kind of behind a lot of what you do. You know, if there's looking for through lines in, in, in your work, there's... There's yeah. scientific work. Yeah, you know, like basic, basic science, right? Like the science that we live with every day, like static electricity, like these force, you know, physical forces, um, things like that. I mean, my dad was a scientist, he's a physicist. So I was raised, I was actually thinking the other day, like, and this is horrible parenting, but I was four or five and he would bring home vials of mercury for me to play with. <laughs> so I was just I just remember being on the floor playing with like little beads of mercury um and learning about it and so I think that just those like early experiences have really uh influenced um the way that I work um and there's a like a a relationship to science like a testing of ideas um that I think happens a lot, um, like experimenting, but with an objective um, and then really thinking that through and why. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always there. And the welcome collection, um, yeah, that was also definitely a facet, those big murals about evolution and vaccines. It makes sense that your dad that was a sense. scientist. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some some of that in your DNA. Yeah, I think so. Probably some mercury in there too. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Anyone else with a question or a thought or a reflection? Anything else you want to tell us about Brie? Um, I don't think so. I feel like we covered a lot of ground. Mm, yeah, today. I do too. Yeah. Do you um, have oh, any other questions? Well, it's so funny because I, I always write these notes and then I never get to look at them. Um, but let me just look at one thought um, that I had, oh yeah, I guess I learned this from the essay that I think is really worth restating. Um, the idea, this I think is in Susan's essay, where the subtle movements um, that are happening in our time give rise to these seismic shifts. And, and she speaks to that and she, she literally references how the enlightenment led us to be looking at clouds and have cloud studies and how the cloud study uh, in one form influence romanticism and that mm -hmm. next stage. And I just think mm -hmm. that's so cool because yeah. that's actually what we're in the middle of. So it's really hard for us to see where we mm -hmm. are when we're in it, but it, it, the yeah. fact that, that this gets referenced, I think is super important and really really nice. And then the only other thing is, um, do you know Rachel DeJude's work? 
did Jude, if I'm pronouncing oh, it, J-O-O-D-E. Yeah. That's uh, a German artist. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I thought you and she have a lot in common in terms of conversation. Very much yeah. different, but about the materiality. So I wondered if you'd been. Yeah. Aware she, of her she's work. working with the body a lot. I met her um, a few years ago, actually. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. a great artist. Yeah. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. yeah. I was introduced to her work during Paris Photo and met her as mm-hmm. well. It was. Um, Unfortunately, the year of the um, the terrorist attack, so everything shut mm-hmm. down. Uh, it was 2015, and yeah. there was uh, at Christophe Guillard. There was going to be a panel, actually, with Charlotte Cotton um, and some other piece uh, people, and. Um, Mm-hmm. hard to know whether it was going to happen and it wasn't far from where I was staying. So I walked over yeah. and there was probably yeah. 15 of us that did And the gallery was so gracious to be open. And we all kind of gathered in this really intense, mm-hmm. amazing space because we, the panel mm-hmm. did not happen. The discussion did not happen, but our correlation did. It's actually where I went. I met John Lair. Um, it oh, was just really? so much fun. Yeah. Yes. It's like that serendipitous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We ended up spending uh-huh. the day. Um, it was like really finding connection. Um, yeah. in so the middle of that. this is, yeah. I'm kind of kicking myself because I was there too. Um, oh. when that happened and I was supposed to join that event and I totally chickened out and didn't go. <laughs> I just hold up in my hotel room the entire time after that happened. Well, you know, um, it was, it was yeah. just to re- reference that it was so <laughs> weird because I love riding bikes everywhere. So I was riding my bike yeah. home and I got in to the night before because I was literally within a mile, uh, half a mile of everything going on. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, and it was my husband who called me and said, where are you? And I'm like, Oh, I just got in. I'm kind of like, make some dinner. And then you hear the helicopters and then trying to figure out what to do, what not to do, yada, yada. But that was a lifeline going to that event for me to make the rest of it. Okay. Um, and that's so interesting that you would have been a part of that. That's, 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 you can't make that stuff up. Well, I really, really appreciate what you're doing and your, your generosity in um, basically your explore is just opening so many portals, uh, doors for us, like you're a conduit between that past and present. So uh, whenever I come up with this weaver analogy, I'll let you know what it is. Yes, I, I would love that. Thank you so much for yeah. spending time with the book. And I loved your questions and insights. Ah, thank you. Well, yeah, great. Loved, loved the work. And Mark, I have to laugh. It's like we're on the same page, no pun intended, but the artists that you're featuring and making works of, including yourself, it's like, I just feel like my tribe, right? Like speak in my language. So it's really fun. So Thank well, you. I mean, just real quick to say, um, thank you yeah. so much for having this. And I'm, um, it was really terrific to hear um, you guys in conversation. I knew that you would hit it off. Um, and I mean, Sib, you do just such an amazing job of, I mean, you're very generous in the way that you engage with, you know, artists, you know, um, ideas and processes. Um, you really think very hard and spend a lot of time preparation for these things. And it's really, it shows in the conversation. So thank really you so does. much. Yeah. And I'll just say real quick that, you know, I, 
I met Bree like 20 years ago and um, certainly not, not having any idea that this would be, we'd be on Zoom <laughs> 20 <laughs> years later discussing her book, but, um, you know, but, yeah. but struck me as a, you know, a really serious person who thought very deeply about photography. Um, and, uh, you know, we stayed in touch, um, you know, mostly through social media and, um, but, you know, whenever I went to New York, we sometimes would have, you know, coffee, whatever, but, um, you know, it always struck me that, you know, Brie was always reinventing photography for herself, uh, reinventing what it meant and how to make images. And, um, and I, I just, I appreciate the, um, the commitment to the medium and to her own, you know, vision and, um, you know, it never takes the easy road. I mean, just mm -hmm. finds a way to make new kinds of images. And, you know, I know that there's lots of sort of silly uh, pronunciations about the end of photography or, you know, Instagram is sort of glutted, you know, our eyes, et cetera. I don't believe that. I think that, you know, one of the reasons I love photography um, and remain committed to it is that it's constantly renewed, you know, yes. uh, not only by technology, but, uh, um, and by sort of sociological changes uh, and by history itself, mm -hmm. but by artists like Brie who just yeah. find a way to kind of like whatever's going on with the medium, whatever's going on in the world, there's ways to, you know, to sort of use this medium to kind of create new kinds of images that uh, we didn't even know. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, you know, don't even know that, I don't know that I needed to see, but then once I see them, I'm like, oh my God, you know. Like hole in the well, curtain, there's no right? way that it can stay this that photography could ever right. remain the exactly. same because it's reflecting our cultural preoccupations at any given time and what's mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. just, um, uh, just the last yeah. thing I'll say about hole in the curtain, you know, when I first saw, first saw hole in the curtain, I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> what's going like, on? What, I mean, I just I, I think you're not alone in that. <laughs> I couldn't decide whether it was brilliant or the ugliest thing I'd ever seen. And um <laughs> But I couldn't stop thinking about that project, right? Mm. Um, you know, the image is sort of just stuck in there. And um, to me, that's effective imagery. And um, anyway, so it was really a pleasure to um, work with Brie on this. And um, anyway, it's been one of the great honors of my life. So thanks again for having same. this conversation. Same, same, yeah. Mark. Um, well, thank you so much. This was great. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah, really fun. I appreciate all of the above, and I know we could go on, um, but I'm going to wrap on time, which is an unusual thing, but I have a birthday celebration that my PCT hiker is home and it's her birthday. Ah, <laughs> all right, well, enjoy. Yeah. And so I look forward you. to your next group. Thanks, yes. yes. Um, let's see, next is Jeff Dyer on the 13th, um, but we are already, our, our next whole hunk is, is in the works. We know who it is. We just have to do the Tetris of getting the dates. So we'll put that cool. out too. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. Thanks for coming thank and you. we'll see you again. All right. Bye. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.